by Sinclair Ferguson, um, which is the compilation of the tapes that I actually listened to 20 or so years ago. Um, it is, I think, the best thing I've read on the Book of Ruth. Um, but also, in the back of the book, there is a chapter on guidance. In fact, it's a letter written by John Newton, uh, the writer of Amazing Grace. And he wrote it to somebody who was anxious to know how God guides and uh, how do we know God's will for our lives. It's a wonderful, wonderful letter. Um, it's probably worth the price of the whole book uh, itself. So it's only about three or four pages of appendix, but a wonderful example of uh, how to apply what we know about God into our lives. So. Fantastic. Okay. So people have started voting these up. So this is this is where it gets really exciting. So here, here we go. Oh my goodness, it keeps changing in front of me. So uh, right, these these two are neck and neck for the most popular question. Oh, then no, this one's been voted up. All right, so we're going to start with this one. Okay, so if I click on that, then it comes up. So here we go. How do you know the difference between <laughs> trusting God and letting Him do His will, and then sitting back and doing nothing? Does God call us to action or passive? obedience, or active or passive obedience, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. Um, I think the answer, roughly speaking, is um, you, you work, you uh, trust, you obey, and you leave the results to God. So, I think that's in summary, but I can come back and say more. So can we, can we think of a sort of concrete example of that, maybe to, to help us? Because um, I think that's something we, we often feel, isn't it? That we, we can't think, well, I'm, oh, am I overthinking this? Am I, do I just need to, how do I know when I'm, uh, you know, t- t- taking matters into my own hands and seizing? Um, yeah. Yeah, so Martin Luther, the great German reformer, um, he would... Uh, work all week on his uh, sermons he would uh, visit people he would write things uh, he would preach his heart out on Sunday and then Monday morning he would take the day off and go to the pub with his friend Philip and drink Wittenberg beer and say, put his feet up and say we'll leave the results to the Lord (laughs) and and I think that's the principle so um, as as a minister that's what I try and do. If you <laughs> so Monday morning, um, and I think you know. So if you're a, if you're a, if you're a doctor, um, then work hard as a doctor. Set yourself the hours you need to uh, do your working, and stick to those hours. Work as hard as you can in those hours. Really focus. Don't slack off at work, and don't um, take extra time in breaks. Um, but then when you get home, stop. And, and say, this is what I've done, this is what I can do, I can rest now. I've, I've, you know, I'm not the saviour of the NHS. Um, uh, or of people's health in Hampstead, or whatever. The same with whatever line of work you are. Now, that ability to work hard and to work well, it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. With, with, with In faith, as a Christian, trusting God, not you know, just as Boaz and Ruth have given us examples of humility and courage and patience and concern for others. Um, work hard, work well, and then leave the results to God. 
We saw, uh, we, we, we've had a big questions series in the evening at St John's, and one of the questions was about trusting God when the future is uncertain. And we looked at Exodus chapter 16, about the manna, and particularly the Sabbath uh, being a thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I wonder if sometimes it was about, you know, come home and stop. And there's something about that with the Sabbath, at least, you know, depending on how you, you take the Sabbath, but at least the principle of the Sabbath being don't work seven days a week on the same thing all the time. And the Sabbath is teaching God's people to say, um, actually, this is in your hands. Yes, you need to go out and do your work, but there will be one day where you need to go, no, actually, I, it's hands off now. It's, it, yeah, this is yours, yeah, yeah. Lord. And have, so have those, that <coughs> rhythm of life is actually really valuable. And we can, we can all get into those times when we're just you know, working day after day and never putting something down. And that's when we're in danger. But it would also be a danger to just put your feet up and say, and never get out of bed and never take any initiative. Uh, but maybe the, the Sabbath principle can, can help. This question's not just about work, though. You're, all you've said has been talking about whether, how hard we should work. But I think this is... This is so the, the, the example in Ruth is not about work. And so does it work in exactly the same way if you're not talking about the world of work? Uh, so, so an example of relationships, sir. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think it applies in the same way. Um, in that, um, trying to think of an example. Um, okay, so if you're a if you're a guy and you're single, as I was, and you're interested in a girl, uh, as I was once upon a time. Well, no, I am still interested in her now. <laughs> so I just. Heard myself then. Um, yes, uh, I still chatter up now, as I used to do. Uh, but um, uh, yes, if you if, okay, if you're single and you're a guy, um, uh, I just talk from a man's perspective. Then, and you're interested in a girl, what do you do? Well, you find out a bit more about her. You hang around with her in groups. You try to get to know her. Um, and if you think, well, you know, she's she's a bit like Ruth. You know, I can see through the makeup. I can see through the lippy and the perfume and she's a woman of integrity here she's a you know she's the sort of person i'd like to marry then you need to make a move and do something and uh you know get off your backside and uh ask her out for a coffee or um go to the theater or something and um and see what she says and if she says yes then wonderful get to know a bit more and if she says no well move on um, or, <laughs> or like I did, persevere for another 14 years. Uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, until you get the right answer. Um, but um, <laughs> you leave, you know, it's a similar kind of thing. There's things you can do, but leave the results to God. Yeah, I think yeah, so it's a bit of a hypothetical question. Um, God does work through sinful means. I do think, I, like I do think, it's not the advice that I think uh, should be given. 
Um, and uh, and I think it's because Ruth, uh, you know, Naomi's a bit anxious. She she can see, and we do this, don't we? You know, sometimes we can see, you know, things coming together. And yeah, is that God's providence and that? And and we and we try to read God's providence before it actually happens. Because actually, we, like I said earlier today, God's providence is like a Hebrew word. You can only read it backwards. You know, things might seem like they're coming together, but they may not. Um, now, would they, they have ended up with the same result? Possibly. But they could have ended up with a different result. She could have ruined the plan. Um, now we know that God is sovereign and God's going to get the right result in the end. But she was hanging an awful... Uh, the least... If you take a positive view of Naomi, which I know there are some people who do, John Piper, if you've come across him, or Mark Dever, I think they give a positive reading to Naomi. Um, even if you take a positive reading, the least you can say is, it was a bit risky. She was, she was hanging a lot on Boaz's integrity. You know? Yeah. Does that... Um, now, if in relationships, these are the things that girls can do to kind of you know, rustle leaves and make it appear that they're actually interested. Well, it does help us guys a little bit, especially those of us <laughs> who are, you know, less, you know, a bit more backward at coming forward. Yeah. Sorry. Here's another question. <laughs> how, how would you talk about the Lord's providence with someone who wasn't a Christian? Someone who doesn't have a promise that God is working for their good. Um, I would say, this is what I believe. Um, wouldn't you like to believe that there is a, an all-powerful, all-wise, all-good God who is working everything out in your life for good? Do you want to get to know him? Do you want to believe and trust in him? You know, what's the opposite of believing that there's a God who does that? It's believing that life is random. That, you know, it's either fate um, and there's nothing you can do about it. Or maybe it's all about you and you've just got to do life yourself. And therefore, you're going to run around like a headless chicken trying to make sure that your children are okay and that your partner's okay and that your house is okay and that your work's okay. And you're just going to drive yourself mad. That is what we see at times in this world. So. Okay, thank you very much. Let's see what's, what's coming up now. So, okay, Ruth and Orpah. Can we learn or interpret anything from the different responses of Orpah and Ruth in chapter one? Mm. I think we can. Yeah, uh, I'll say something about this tomorrow. I didn't mention it really uh, in the first talk. Um, because tomorrow we'll have two different responses from two different redeemers as well. Um, I think I think it's basically the response of faith and the response of unbelief. Um, Oprah goes so far, but then she turns back. And maybe she goes so far because she's heard the message and yeah, maybe she's interested. Maybe she's concerned for Naomi and wants to help her out. Well done. But actually at the end of the day, you know, she's looking after herself first. Whereas Ruth doesn't. She says, no, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to look after Naomi. Um, your God's going to be my God. Where you die, I'm going to die.
Okay. This is a good one. So, being content in the moment and realising God's providence is seen in reverse. Looking back later, how does this match up with a place for lament in difficult circumstances like we see in the Psalms? That's a great question. Um, they're all good questions. They're all good questions. But this, um, um, there's a contentment doesn't mean doesn't equate with happiness. I think it's interesting at the book of, at the end of the book of Philippians, Paul says, "I have learned." in whatever situation I have been in to be content I have known how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need so knowing that God will provide for you, knowing that God is, you know, going to work things out, gives you a settled contentment, but that doesn't take away the fact that your stomach's empty. Doesn't take away the fact that your child's ill in hospital, and that's really sad. It doesn't take away the situations that you face. And the Psalms give us opportunities to express how we feel at those times especially the psalms of lament though i'm you know roughly speaking there's two types of psalms there's loads of different types of psalms as what's he'll tell you but there's you've got happy psalms and sad psalms you know psalms of thanksgiving and psalms of of lament and there's more lament than psalms of thanksgiving because we live in a broken world and whilst there are lots of things to give thanks for there's an awful lot of things that make us sad. And the longer you live, the more things you experience that make you sad. And so the Psalms are, uh, are written so we have words to express how we feel at those times. Whether it's problems at work with people who are bitching about you, you know, you can call out to God, you know, for help with your enemies whether it's suffering and difficulty with your family no, God is a strength and refuge a very present help in trouble um, I, think, I think you mentioned the sense of uh, people shaking their fist at God and that's a negative thing so what is the difference between shaking your fist at God and lamenting mm. as they do in the Psalms What's, what is the difference that's great. that's a great question um, and sometimes that's a really good question because sometimes the two things the way you express yourself seems to be exactly the same as somebody who shakes the fist at God but it's exactly the opposite it's exactly the opposite because you're actually coming to God for help even if the words that you say and what you express are words of you know why is this happening to me God why is that happening to me I don't understand you know I just feel in the depths of despair this is why we've got Psalm 39 and Psalm 88, which are, they are the, they're the only two psalms in the Bible where there is, every psalm 
like every chapter in the book of Ruth, ends with a bit of uplift, a bit of hope. But those two psalms have no hope. At the end of Psalm 88, it says, my only friend is darkness. Because that is how it's possible to feel at times. Um, but they, sp- uh, they, they start by saying, oh Lord. And they're, they, they, but they are they expressions. Are yeah, yeah. All of them are addressed to God. To God. Um, and that's what God wants. That's what prayer is. It, prayer is offering up our desires to God. Expressing our hearts to God. Whether that's happy hearts or whether that's sad hearts. Whether that's troubled and anxious hearts, whether uh, it's uh, hearts questioning the direction for your life, offer it up to God. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's what the Psalms, Psalms give us words to do that. I'm happy to come back on that. If as we go along you want to you know, st- stick your hand up on the particular question we're on, um, please do. Um, okay, here we go. Gleaning is not squeezing as much as we can out of the field's production. Should we apply this principle to how we use our time at work or outside work or how we use our money? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Work's not about making as much money as you can. Um, It's great to make as much money as you can. You know, the more money you make, the more money you've got to give away. Um, and, uh, and so I'm well up for people earning millions and millions and millions of pounds and giving away millions and millions and millions of pounds. It's fantastic. You know, that's what John Wesley said. Make as much as you can, give away as much as you can. Um, uh, but, you know, the reason you're earning money is, you know, to uh, care for your family and to care for other people. Um, and, uh, and so... One of the ways that you should be wanting to work is in a way which isn't maximising profits, but is actually caring for the people through your work. Um, you know, if you work all the hours of day and night and don't care for your family, what's the point in bringing home loads of money for your family? Um, now there may be seasons where life gets really hard and you've got to actually work that a little bit more. Um, well, you've got to make sure there's seasons when you don't do that. Great. Okay, let's have a look at this one. Difficult, again, about difficult circumstances. Difficult circumstances are not God giving us what we deserve, but this is very easy to end up thinking in practice. Why do you think this is? Is there any Mm -hmm. relation to things we recognise to give thanks for? Um. I think it's because there is a we are um, our default way of thinking in life is to think that we are um, uh, justified by what we do. Um, you know, it's, we all from a young age we're taught, and we all believe this deep down, and we need to work hard not to. That if you're good, good things are going to happen. If you're bad, bad things are going to happen. Which is why people always ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, you can say, well, we're not actually all inherently good and all the rest of it. But actually, that, what that question is saying is, I believe in justification by works. 
I believe if you're good, you should get good stuff. You know, it's the, uh, it's the sound of music principle, isn't it, Maria? You know, on the sound of music, Maria, she's dancing on the hills in Austria or wherever she is and singing. And, and why is she so happy? Because she's going to marry Captain Von Trapp. And so what does she say? Somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. <laughs> That's why good stuff's happening to me. Now, we believe that deep down, and we need to work hard not to. And people in other religions believe that. And uh, people in the world believe that. Um, but we believe in justification by grace. It's not by what you do. It's not how you perform. It's not whether you're good or whether you're bad. It's what Jesus done for us on the cross. He gives us what we don't deserve. So might Thanksgiving make any difference to that? Yeah, because I think it does. Because Thanksgiving is saying to God, the ultimate Thanksgiving is saying to God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that I'm saved by grace. Thank you that it's not about me. Thank you it's about you. Yeah, Thanksgiving's great. Whereas, actually, if it's justification by works, who do we thank? Me. Th- <laughs> you know, thank you that somewhere in my youth and childhood I did something good, <laughs> you know, because otherwise I wouldn't have married him. You know, thank you that I'm such a nice person. You know, that's why I've got these good stuff. The alternative is also true. You know, aren't I such an awful person? That's why bad stuff's happening to me. Okay. So, this is, this is, I mean, we're coming back to something we've, we've talked about, but perhaps from a slightly different angle. Can you give us any advice on how to put God in the driving seat without simply being passive in our approach to life? Yeah, so in the talk, I, I just gave those three principles. Um, how to do it. Realise that if, You've got to really believe that if you are in the driving seat of your life, you're going to mess it up. Um, and if you've experienced, if you've messed up your life by doing that, then it's easy for you to, to do it. Whereas if your life is going really well with you in the driving seat, it's harder to kind of believe that if you're in the driving seat, you're going to mess it up because you say, well, actually, it's going very well for me. Again. But you need to believe that that actually happens. The second thing you need to believe is um, that, uh, that with God in the driving seat, he is good. He loves you. He's going to work things out for your good. And then you need to to meditate on the word and believe the word so that you will actually apply that into your own life. Um, And ultimately you need to see that that God has provided for you in in Jesus and therefore he'll provide for all your needs. But that first point is the first point to start on. Um, Believe that if you are in the driving seat, you will crash the car. Anyone want to come back on that because it's come up a couple of times? I think you're answering the question on why to put God in the driving seat. But maybe you answered the how in the early one, but it's in there. Yeah, no, how is just simply saying to yourself, if I'm in the driving seat, I will wreck my life. God's in the driving seat, things are going to go well. (laughs) And then pray and read the Bible and meditate on the Bible. And then just do it again. Do it and do it every day. Don't wake up in the morning and uh, and say uh, thank you. That you know, uh, one of the things that's affect, changed my prayer life in the last few years has been uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. 
And the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father in heaven. And, uh, and just looking at each phrase in the Lord's Prayer, beginning with that one, and just spending time thinking about it and meditating on it. So our Father in heaven, thank you that you are my Father, that you are in heaven, that I am your child. And as soon as you say that to yourself every morning, there's something about that which removes yourself, even for a moment, from that driving seat because you're saying that God you're my father and if you're my father you're in control and I'm your child therefore you're going to love me and look after me yeah. Yeah. yeah that comes back to the other question no no it's um, uh, no no not at all um, uh, that is You've got to work. You've got to. You've got to trust God and then work hard uh, at whatever. Um, uh, make decisions. Um, uh, you know, uh, because what what this is doing, as I, as I said, the more you meditate on the Bible, um, the more you read the Scriptures, um, the more you pray, the more spiritual wisdom that you will have. So that when you are making those decisions and when you're uh, doing those things you're doing them with God's wisdom you're doing them with him in the driving seat so the hard thing in life is um, is not doing lots of things but doing lots of things with God in the driving seat and that's how you do it is that helpful? Hey, that's just, this, um, <laughs> this just came to mind James chapter 4 um, verse 13 James says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for mm. him and his sin. So it seems to be that there is a fundamental difference between making plans without praying and without reference to God and making plans having prayed and having said, Father, you're in control of this. I'm making these plans, but they're, of course they're contingent on, on you and I'm going to trust you. But like you said, God hasn't said what to do um, on the threshing floor. You need to develop your spiritual muscles. And so you, you, you need to get you know you need to get on with living your life, but just always saying, Lord, this is in your hands, and I'm yeah. uh, at any moment I know it, the rug could be pulled out from under me, and that's fine because you're God and I'm not. But until I'm given evidence to the contrary, I'm going to carry on doing what looks to be right according to your word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You should go as far as to say that being passive is like, hey, I'm not going to do anything because God's in control is sin as well because it, because you're not working you're not doing things you're just giving up and being lazy yeah yeah that's true yeah he doesn't James doesn't say stop doing things he says <clears throat> say if the Lord wills we will live and do this and that so you know get on with the stuff but start with say DV didn't we I think that's yeah. trying to, to reinstitute that there's very few people you know under the age of I don't know 40 know all that does anyone know what DV means anymore Sadly, now, certainly in London, more people know 
Yeah. Only in North London. <laughs> okay, so this is what the Muslims will say. It's, it's divided. Yeah. God willing. Yeah. The, um, yeah, we do, we do make our plans, and we should make plans. We should, you know, we should, we should work hard, we should make plans and make this, you know, um, and, you know, you, you don't just plan for tomorrow, you plan for the future. But at the end of the day, you say, but may your will be done. It's in the Lord's Prayer as well. Edie. Um, something I found helpful in this scenario is what we're studying in Philippians on, on Monday. And um, you co- part of making a I think it's right. We, we need to make the plans and do uh, what we need to do. Um, if you take just a simple example like getting kids into school um, or Should we do this one, last one, very quickly? If someone cuts you up, how do you respond faithfully? I'm thinking of uber pious responses, like, bless you, but you have reminded me of mankind's fallenness and need. Is that, is, that, is, that, is, that is that what we do? I'm interested, you're interested in the person put the word uber into yeah. the... Uh, um, uh, how do you? Uh, I mean, you can respond like that. Uh, uh, I think um, uh, what's the times I know when I'm uh, uh, making progress in faith and uh, working more closely with the Lord is when uh, I don't notice that someone's cut me up, or I, you know, um, I. You know, you know the situations. Well, I gave a few others. You know, when uh, 
your child breaks your favourite mug. You know that there are responses and responses, and, and you know the kind of gradation of godliness of the response, um, like it's better not to say something than to get angry. Um, but it's even better to go, oh, well, that doesn't matter. Don't worry about that because it's only a mug and, you know, uh, it's going to be destroyed one day. And let's be honest, our hope is in heaven and God's going to provide for us far more than just a mug, you know. And, you know, we say it in a, in a slightly pious way now, but um, actually, you know, with a child, you're communicating to them what you really believe. You know, you say next to somebody in the car and you're in a, a traffic jam and you're going to be late for a meeting, you know, you can go, oh, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. Or you can go, well, you know, we left in good time and, and God must have a purpose in this. I don't know what it is, um, you know, um, uh, but God's going to provide. Um, the vicar of the church that you and I both used to go to, had, they had a motto in their family, um, when, when things got broken they just said oh it's alright everything will be destroyed <laughs> <laughs> the so there you go <laughs> um, we probably should finish but thank you that, that's, that, that's, that's <clears throat> fantastic let's uh, and hopefully that will generate us 100 more questions that um, you can certainly come and ask Paul um, and, and also just chat to one another um, about uh, as we continue to work through these things but let me pray now the children will need to be collected at 6.30 which is basically in a moment and um, remember dinner is at 7.30 so we've got a bit of a break now it's the Burns scavenger hunt and you, you can tell us about that in a minute if you want or when I pray yeah that's great and then, um, and then we'll go great let's pray Father, we thank you again for all that we've enjoyed today and for the riches that we're finding in this book of Ruth. Thank you for these great questions and for uh, some of the discussion that they have generated. pray that that discussion would continue amongst us, that we'd be seeking to help each other think through, especially what it means to do these things in practice in our everyday lives to uh, to live for Jesus, to especially trust him and have you in the driving seat to know what it looks like as we take our everyday decisions and um, uh, live our lives wherever you take us. Help us to work these things through and to help each other with that. Thank you for the evening ahead as well, for all that lies in store. We thank you once again for your gracious provision, food and uh, for this precious time we have together this weekend. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.